By listening to the Conscious Fertility Podcast, you agree to not use this podcast as medical advice to treat any medical condition in either yourself or others. Consult your own physician or healthcare provider for any medical issues that you may be having. This entire disclaimer also applies to any guests or contributors to the podcast. Welcome to Conscious Fertility, the show that listens to all of your fertility questions so that you can move from fear and suffering to peace of mind and joy. My name is Lauren Brown. I'm a doctor of traditional Chinese medicine and a clinical hypnotherapist. I'm on a mission to explore all the paths to peak fertility and joyful living. It's time to learn how to be and receive so that you can create life on purpose. I have a special guest today with us on the Conscious Fertility Podcast. It's Dr. Olivia Poye, and uh, she's coming from Austria, Graz. This is the Conscious Fertility Podcast, and we know a lot of our listeners are looking to grow their family. And quite often, the topics are on consciousness, spirituality, quantum healing. We always get requests, though, about practical things on the physical body. What can we do? And we share on this podcast that. It is dual, as in we're looking at mind and body. So we're not neglecting the body. It's just that we're getting pretty good on the physical, what supplements to take, diet, lifestyle, IVF, acupuncture. People are aware a lot, are more aware about what they can do physically. And so we emphasize the spiritual, mental, emotional, the consciousness side. As promised, every once in a while, we'll have an episode where we go back to the body and something that we think is missing or needs more attention. And this is why we have Dr. Olivia Poya on with us today, because her focus is on male factor fertility on the men. Now, a little background. Um, she is both a physician, so a medical doctor, and also holds a, a, her diplomas in acupuncture and in Chinese herbal medicine. So I always joke that she's kind of like Dr. 3.0. She's got both. She's truly, when we talk about integrative medicine, when you go to see somebody that, or you go and have an integrative approach, I should say, where you're getting both the Chinese medicine, naturopathy, and the Western, well, she's in one. She, she is integration. She is Dr. 3.0. She's also a fellow of the ABRM, which stands for the Acupuncture and TCM Board of Reproductive Medicine. And she does have her own integrated fertility clinic in Austria near Graz, and she has a big focus on male fertility. And I've met her in the past because she is the organizer of the International TCM Congress called DAO in Graz, where I've had the opportunity to speak. And she's also attended um, my Integrated Fertility Symposium in Vancouver. She's also an author of two books. I have a signed copy of these books. One is called Secrets from the Chamber of Jade, um, which is treatment of erectile dysfunction and lack of libido using Chinese medicine. And her most recent book that came out in 2022 is The Integrative Treatment of Male Infertility. Olivia, welcome to the Conscious Fertility Podcast. Thank you for having me. It's such a pleasure to talk to you and to kind of get a platform to spread my message. And you know, it's kind of, it's kind of fun. First of all, I got to let our listeners know you're fun. Like I've seen you do talks where you have like stuffies that are sperm, right? It's Sam the Sperm. Sam the Sperm. So I've seen you do lectures with Sam the Sperm. You've had topics called Spermageddon. So I like how you take a topic that it, it's important and serious, and you also kind of make it approachable and easy to listen to and, and get involved in. So thanks for doing that. I want to um, ask you some questions around male factor. And I want to start off with 
it seems like most of the clinics are focusing on the woman. What's your thought on this? Like, are men being underserved, undervalued when it comes to fertility and and couples wanting to grow their family? Yeah. So that's a huge problem because, you know, on average, it's 40%. So if if uh, a couple can't um, conceive, then it's about 40% due to women's issues yeah and 40 percent due to the so-called male factor so there's something not working properly um with uh, the sperm uh, quality 20 percent is due to both just um well not fitting or working um perfectly together to grow um a healthy embryo but when it comes to the clients that really attend fertility clinics, then it's actually far more than 50% due to male factor infertility. So um, if you look at the um, uh, fertility register, uh, which we are, every country does in Europe, and you look at the percentage, so it's over 60% that they have to attend a fertility clinic due to male factor infertility. And still, Especially in the conventional, so Western medicine, 90% of the treatment and of the diagnostic uh, things done focus exclusively, quite exclusively on the women. We are missing kind of 50% of the puzzle because as you always keep saying, it's it takes two to tango, right? And if we are missing one half of the couple, uh, we're not doing a proper job and it's just... Um, well, it diminishes the chances of the couple to actually conceive. That's a huge problem with Western medicine. But to be honest, in PCM, for example, and I doubt it's something different in any other naturopathic medicine genre, then we really do focus on women far too much as well. Yeah, and, and I, I don't think it's by choice. It seems like men just don't seek out medical care and even when they get a diagnosis that it's related to the male it's been my experience that it's the women that still come in to my clinic so i'm sitting across from the female partner and she's telling me yeah we have issues it's the male and the guy's not even there and i think that's global for the most part is it not that men aren't coming into the treatment as much as the women yes but i think that is because there is just um, too little awareness yeah, that um, there are treatment options for diminished sperm quality. And often it's due to not even the fertility doctors being really aware that, for example, ICSI yeah, wouldn't solve the problem finally. Yeah? So if they do kind of any reproductive technique, yeah, they might get the couple pregnant, but what we're really aiming for yeah, is the so-called live birth rate. That means that the couple finally leaves hospital with a healthy baby. That's what we should always aim for. An emphasis on healthy too. And so you brought up a point here that it's the awareness. And this is why I wanted to have you on the podcast is many of the, when people are in in uh, couple relationships, so heterosexual male-female relationships, the guys are coming in saying, um, when they come in, or their partner at least is saying that um, he's fine. They said my, he's fine. 
And I remember in past lectures from you, you're saying that the semen analysis is not a great indicator whether you're fertile. It can really show you whether you're having fertility issues, but a normal semen analysis today in the 2022 era is not necessarily a, a picture of health for sperm. Can you elaborate on that and, and tell us what's been happening with the the quality of sperm over the last couple of decades and why you don't use the semen analysis where they look at shape, morphology, speed, motility, and count as a checklist that you're okay? Well, actually, I do use it because that's the standard test for male uh, fertility, but it doesn't really dig deep enough. So that's, I, I think, important to emphasize on. And you know what's interesting? Because very, very recently, so two days prior to our podcast now, recording now, yeah, there's a study uh, published, a huge one, yeah, which is kind of the update of one uh, that was done in 2017 and caused the title Spermageddon. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that was a huge wow because in 2017, um, the results of this uh, huge meta-analysis containing almost 50,000 uh, semen analysis um, throughout um, the world's population that resulted in that the sperm quality overall dropped by 50%. Yeah, so that was when the sun then had the headline spermageddon. Yeah, so now the updated version, yeah, didn't really make it better, but even more uh, dramatic. Yeah, and I'm really looking forward what the headline of the Sunday Times will be this time because it shows that. With the updated data, it's a drop, for example, for a parameter called the total sperm count by 61.3% over the last 40 years. So that is actually, um, well, it leaves nothing to say, but Houston, we're having a huge problem. Yeah. Right. And when, they, when this drops, do they adjust the range then for the semen analysis? No, they, no well, <laughs> they kind of do. But what they do is that they lower um, the standard values. So that's the key here. So, so when the semen analysis is normal, when you're in range in 2022 or 2023, when you're listening to this, if you're, seeing, if you're in range, you're telling me that like 40 years ago, you would be called infertile or subfertile, that they wouldn't have been in the right range, the normal yes, healthy range? Absolutely. So you can say every decade, yeah, they kind of, put out new guidelines and new standard values, yeah, but they keep being lower in every decade. So what was pathological in the 90s is absolutely normal nowadays, and that can't be. It reminds me of my kids in, 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 in high school um, that uh, I they, how they all get such good grades. And I, I, I think their 90s are what we would have called 70s or 80s when I went to high school. Yeah. So they've changed the standard. They're, you know, they're all so smart, this generation with such high grades, but I, I think they've changed how they grade people. Let's bring up this idea of awareness. And so what I think I heard you say earlier is that men can be up to 50% or more contributing to the infertility diagnosis, yet men aren't being really treated well, as in 
to change their sperm parameters. We have a strategy you called ICSI. So that's when they inject the sperm into an egg. So it's like IVF, but they take it one step further and put the egg, put the sperm into the egg. But that's a, like a bypass. It's a strategy. Um, and you're talking about, we want to help them get to live birth and have a healthy baby. So the men are contributing to what? I've heard, and I'm just checking in with you. This is your expertise. Even if you have a normal semen analysis, some of the uh, reproductive urologists are suggesting that the men can be contributing to what's considered an unexplained diagnosis for the couple or even early miscarriage for the couple. (laughs) So what you can't see in a semen analysis, yeah, is the inside quality of the DNA of that sperm, you know, so it's the paternal genome, yeah he will pass on to his future um, child. And you don't know with uh, the parameters of a semen analysis whether this DNA quality is good or it's rubbish. Yeah. So for that, further tests would be needed, which are seldom done, kind of unfortunately, because they are expensive. And for that, the WHO hasn't really found standard values for that. And I think that's a huge problem. Yeah. You can't say which, um, how many DNA fragmentations are normal and how many are not normal. And even the tests are not really that standard size. You know what I mean? So that's a problem, obviously. So I think what we're going to get into shortly is kind of what, what people can do, what men can do to optimize a sperm to help increase her chances um, to have that live birth and a healthy baby. And so we're understanding then that the semen analysis is kind of rudimentary. It's, it's an important test. You still do it. It's kind of one of the better tests that we have. However, I think I've heard you say before, it's like reading the um, table of contents of a book. You haven't really read the book, right? It's really superficial. And so these other tests, DNA fragmentation, other tests and more tests will develop can go in deeper and look and uh, find out maybe there's an issue with the sperm quality. However, that's not easily available or affordable now. I want to share there's good news here because you're like, okay, men are, men are over 50% involved and we don't have a good test. But there are things that are not invasive that men can be doing if you're trying to have a baby. And I will even put out, Olivia, that if you're just wanting to grow your family and you don't even have an infertility diagnosis, these are things that the male partner and, and female partner can do, because we're going to talk about lifestyle, diet, all these things, to help your egg and his sperm reach its peak fertility potential to give your child the best chance of a good health blueprint, right? And so these are just good lifestyle and and natural ways to improve your overall health, including sperm health, right? This is kind of yes, proactive. Absolutely. And absolutely. men and women are a little different. We know this, right, Olivia? Men and women are a little different. Okay. Um, yeah, okay. You're going to go with that? And women have, you know, the theory, the, the understanding is women have all their eggs from when they're born, but men are constantly making sperm. How many sperm do we make per heartbeat? I remember it's a pretty high number, right? Yes, it is. It, it's thousand per second. Yeah. So that's a huge number. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. I've heard a thousand to fifteen hundred per heartbeat. So yeah. And this is good news in that if 
you've been, you know, smoking or you're hot tubbing or just not a great lifestyle and your sperm does not look great, there is an opportunity often just by changing lifestyle, diet, supplements, acupuncture. I know you do Chinese herbal medicine. These are things that um, over time, because men are making new sperm, that you could start to have better sperm production because of what you've done with your lifestyle. Absolutely. So lifestyle issues show up a lot in uh, semen analysis. So whether you do good things yeah, to your body or whether you harm your body by smoking, drinking, whatever, it will result in the parameters of the semen analysis. Usually, well, I got to tell you a story is 10 years ago, a couple came to me and he was a smoker and we suggested he stop smoking because our goal is healthy baby. And so we thought this would be great to quit smoking. And he said that his reproductive endocrinologist said he didn't have to because his semen analysis was normal. So you don't agree with that, right? You don't agree with them smoking. I'm saying, you don't, even if the semen, even if the semen analysis is normal, that was 10 years ago. But this is why I wanted to bring this up because what Olivia is going to share and in her latest book on the integrative approach to treating male factor using Chinese medicine is this idea that there are, it's just, there's not a lot of awareness that men can do things. And so I'm really curious what you call your bag of tricks in your book that you can share with the audience. Like what are the things or in your clinic when a couple come in and they're, and they're, and they're been delayed getting pregnant, what are, what is the bag of tricks that you have? that you are recommending and offering the men in your practice? So first thing is um, what I ask them, whether they take drugs. Yeah. So often it's the case that just the normal medics, the normal drugs they take against their hypertension, whatever, yeah, harm uh, the sperm production. So maybe there's some issues that can be optimized. For example, if they take a lot of painkillers, yeah, a lot of painkillers, um, such as ibuprofen, for example, they lower the testosterone production, which then has a further diminishing effect on sperm quality. So I go through that. So just be aware that not for any little pain, take a painkiller. Uh, so maybe that's an advice, you know. We are really overtaking painkillers yeah, and not being aware they could harm sperm quality. Second thing is, do the men do sports? If no, that's bad. If too much, that's equally bad. Yeah. So there's been studies out that, um, for example, um, running or training for a marathon for about two hours a day, five days a week, really harms sperm quality and drops um, the, the normal values in the semen analysis by 50%. Yeah. So that is, I think, a very important advice. Yeah. Because there's a lot of guys, um, training and wanting to do marathon. That's kind of one thing on a male bucket list, it seems to me. Yeah. So if you train for that, that's absolutely the wrongest time to try to conceive or even worse, um, go for any kind of artificial reproduction. Yeah. So that should be postponed yeah because you know that drop of the semen quality is reversible of course yeah if you start doing sports in a normal way in a normal amount then that really is uh, recovers again yeah so the sports 
anamnesis to me in men is really essential. Then, of course, other lifestyle things, just like um, doing a lot of hot taps or um, going to saunas regularly. You know, the optimal um, production temperature of semen is 34 degrees Celsius. I'm not really good with the Fahrenheit, yeah. So actually, it's lower than the average body temperature. And that's why our testicles are outside in the scrotum, yeah, because really they don't like it too warm. And every raise of uh, the temperature of the testicles kind of harms uh, the sperm production. So be aware um, if you put your um, cell phone in your uh, pocket of the trouser that is heating up uh, your testicles, yeah. If you have to drive a lot, sitting in the car, having the heating um, of, of the car seat on, yeah, that is going to raise temperature. And everything that kind of really raises temperature, just like um, cycling too much, you have, you know, a body position where your gonads are pressed too close to the body and heating up, yeah? Taking hot baths, um, going to saunas, for example. Sometimes... The problem um, with the temperature is even the chop. Think of bakers, for example. Yeah, they are heating up their gonads just on the working place. Yeah? So that is really essential. For example, those things, those temperature harming issues that can be avoided, Yeah, like the cell phone thing. I want to just add here. So, so you're talking about heat insult. If it's a minor heat insult, it affects the motility. And if it's a real big heat insult, it could affect the the count. I've heard stories that in the old days, cowboys would take hot baths as birth control. It's not a good approach if you're trying to use it for birth control, but it's it's important as a message that it can impact the count and motility. I had a, a gentleman that had four sperm parameters and through diet, acupuncture, and herbs and supplements, they became all normalized. And then at one point he came in and he showed how poor his count was. It was really crazy low. And we started looking and he goes, I'm so healthy. Everything, I've been eating well. I've been taking my supplements. I do everything. I mean, even doing infrared sauna three times a week. Mm-hmm. So the good news was all he had to do was stop the saunas. And within three to four months, everything was back to normal. So that message is heat and salt. So I want you to continue, Olivia, but you said, so prescription drugs. So Pain meds like the NSAIDs can affect the sperm production, motility count possibly. Yes. Um, you talked about sports and just basically um, over-exercising and heat insult. I'm curious um, what other things that you see that can be affecting the sperm and things that people can do as part of your bag of tricks. Like you talked about prescription drugs. What about recreational drugs? In Canada, marijuana is now a common use. It's it's legal. So marijuana, alcohol, can you talk about that? And then also infections like illnesses like COVID. Um, what, what's the research showing us on that? Marijuana harms sperm and diminishes count um, morphology and whatever um, of the semen and even and that is far more important causes those dna strand breaks yeah which really uh, translated means that um, the paternal uh, dna is crap so marijuana also known as pot use so that's something that can be negatively impact the sperm quality alcohol well you know we in europe (laughs) are really well known for 
um, drinking far more than you <laughs> in Canada and yeah. USA. So the good news yeah, to the Europeans is that as Paracelsus says, the dosage is the poison. Yeah. Alcohol per se, yeah, isn't toxic. It depends on the amount. Yeah. So what you're allowed to drink statistically, yeah, is one glass of wine or beer a day without harming your sperm. That's the conclusion. Yeah. So you don't have to avoid it. Yeah. Because with me, if somebody says, well, you mustn't or you're, you're, I, I forbid you to do. Yeah. Then I suddenly get cravings for that. Yeah. So it's better to lower the amount and dosage um, with people. So it's easier to handle then just to, you know, keep away from too much alcohol. But yeah, you don't have to really miss out on it. And then COVID, I was curious about, in fact, because fevers can do it. And I just know from us both being part of the ABRM, I know there was some discussion around COVID and uh, sperm quality. So can you update us on the latest research on that? Yes, I can. What we maybe um, should put out prior to going through the COVID uh, situation is that, as you said, sperm can recover. And sperm is newly built every 74 to 90 days. Okay. So approximately four times a year. Yeah. You have the chance, yeah, by changing your lifestyle, by living a healthy life, by using all the advices we give up now to completely boost your sperm and renew your soldiers. Okay. Yeah. That's what you can do. Yeah. yeah? So. That's the good thing, yeah, that almost every harm is reversible within three or six months. Means one episode of sperm development taking three months or two cycles. And, and I'm glad you said that because I've heard other reproductive urologists say that, you know, if you went abracadabra and you corrected the issue, so no alcohol and and you fixed oxidative stress with taking antioxidants. So abracadabra, today everything's fixed. In theory, because it takes 90 days for the sperm to mature, you would expect the sperm to be okay. But clinically, they say it's closer to six months. So like you said, two cycles of the maturation of the sperm. So to let people know, I share this, that if you do an analysis three months after you make these changes and the changes haven't shown up in the semen analysis, that doesn't mean it's not working it may mean you need more time. So three to six months is more reasonable. Yeah. And that is very important to know because COVID, you know, we were talking um, about spermageddon mm -hmm. already prior to the pandemic. Yeah. But now we have an issue with COVID being unfortunately able to enter cells um, in the testicle that are essential for the semen, um, uh, for the sperm production, yeah, and harming their development. So what you can say is, we all know that um, quite at the start of the pandemic, everybody was about, well, it harms, the, the virus harms the lungs, yeah, and the lungs are the organ and it suffers the most from an infection and people had to get oxygen and everything. But what we found out now quite recently means within the last year yeah 
is that the testicles actually have far more receptors for the virus than the lungs. Yeah. So unfortunately, almost all of the cell types that are essential for uh, the sperm development can be entered by the virus because they have those so-called ACE2 receptors. Yeah. So the cells that are responsible for nursing, yeah, the the uh, sperm in its development, and the the lytic cells that are responsible for for the production of the testosterone, yeah, the male hormone, yeah, can be harmed by the virus too. And, and that is really bad, even the stem cells. What we now see with the latest research um, that has been published, and the latest one is in October, one has uh, been coming out in May as well. And they say, well, COVID yeah, has a detrimental effect on semen quality. And it really, really lowers every single parameter yeah, because it really destroys the tissue of the testicle, which is necessary that a sperm can be produced. Yeah. But the good news is that is reversible according to um, research. Yeah. But it takes, and now we do know how many days approximately that recovery might take is about 120 to 180 days, depending on the parameters. So that's again, four to six months. And so if you've had a COVID infection, this may delay getting pregnant if you're trying naturally. So keep that in mind. And and like you said, it can recover. So do you counsel your patients then that are choosing to use IVF or ICSI um, if they've had a COVID infection? Are, are you suggesting maybe to wait it out or? Yes, I do. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So whenever a man comes in showing me his semen analysis, one of my first questions after saying hello is, have you had COVID? <laughs> and <Yeah. laughs> if so, when? Yeah, right. Because to me, you know, that completely changes my time approach of therapy or my recommendation timeline um, for going uh, for IVF or ICSI. So I really advise them to postpone it up to six months after the infection. And that absolutely makes sense. Now, we're going to get into the bag of tricks um, because people are like, okay, what can I do? I want to read a quote from Dr. Ashok Argawal, who is an andrologist, a prolific publisher of research on male factor infertility. And also, he's in your book. So I want to read a quote from your book from uh, Dr. Agarwal. And he says, as sperm quality has been declining over the last several decades, we need to use every tool we can to improve sperm quality to improve a couple's reproductive capacity. Therefore, there is an urgent need not only to explore the opportunities that Chinese herbal medicine and acupuncture, I think this is cool because often docs don't mention the herbal part, Chinese herbal medicine and acupuncture offer to treat male fertility problems but also to inform clinicians and scientists about the effects of herbal extracts, acupuncture needles, and supplements on male reproductive functions. It goes on to say, combining the knowledge of Western medicine and evidence-based Chinese medicine with an integrative approach brings together the best of two worlds, helping men to regain their fertility. And that again is Dr. Argawal, who's an andrologist. So can you talk about the best of two worlds? So 
again, you, you're, you're talking about your workup for the mail, what you ask, making sure what prescription drugs are on because that can be impacting, um, recreational drugs, their activities and lifestyle, um, whether they've had infections like COVID. And then if it's going to take three to six months, what are men doing in your practice for those three to six months to help optimize their fertility? Um, well, of course, as a TCM practitioner, they get acupuncture regularly, means once a week at least, yeah, for those um, uh, 10 to 12 to up to whatever weeks. But that has to be at least once a week, yeah. It's senseless to get them in every three weeks because, you know, you won't have an outcome of that. It's just um, too little input yeah, for regulating your body. Most of the research shows twice a week that's been published and, and even in our... Yes, that would be perfect. Ideal. Like So let's talk about if you were the male and what you know, what would you be doing to improve your sperm? Now that you know what you know, what would you be doing? Yeah, good question. So what I would do is to get acupuncture once a week, yeah, and then have a session of laser acupuncture once a week too, or try to borrow a laser. Yeah, so what I sometimes do with my patients is they can kind of rent a laser pen, yeah, to then really, um, and I, I, I teach them some points, yeah, and they do laser acupuncture because the laser actually can be that game changer, especially in terms of COVID destruction of the sperm because it uh, focuses on the mitochondria, yeah, and it kind of rejuvenates and re renews cells, yeah. Yeah, as you know, I love the laser, and in our clinic people come twice a week because you're saying twice a week you're doing one acupuncture a week and one laser a week in our clinic in vancouver at acubalance we're combining so they're getting the acupuncture and the laser twice a week in those in those treatments and so yes and, and the mitochondria for our listeners that's like the powerhouse the battery of the cell and that's really important for the motility and the energy to sell for that sperm to fertilize the egg for example so that's why it's so so important and low level laser therapy also can help regulate inflammation. I know when I talk to women laser, they think laser that either can cut or burn or that removes hair or for sculpting. That is not what we're talking about. No. This is called low-level laser therapy. It does not hurt. And I will just add that, um, you know, talk to your professional. Like, so Olivia tells the men how to use the laser system, what to rent, because you don't want to heat the testes. And so there are some LED systems that would give off too much heat. And so Again, it, it can help, but you just want to know what kind of system you're using, and it's good to talk to your health professional so they can guide you on how to use it properly. Absolutely, absolutely. Don't go and buy a laser on Amazon and use it. <laughs> yeah, That's not exactly. what we're talking about, right? Yeah. Right. So it's a professional item, yeah, used by TCM practitioners, yeah, and they might show you how that works. So, so, so you're doing acupuncture, so twice a week, acupuncture and laser, um, and TCM for our listeners, traditional Chinese medicine is the acronym TCM. And what else are you going to be doing then? If you're looking to optimize your sperm quality, you're doing acupuncture and laser twice a week. Um, you've cut down on your alcohol. You're not doing pot or smoking. I would go for herb herbs as well. Yeah. So, um, as a Chinese medicine 
doctor. I, of course, stand out for <laughs> the Chinese herbs, yeah? but you could do Western herbs as well. There's Indian herbs. So whatever kind of herbal tradition your therapist is into, that might, of course, be a game changer because, you know, herbs are the foundation of any drug that has ever been invented. Yeah. They always root on how herbs work in our body. Yeah. Best example is Viagra, for example. Yeah. That roots on actually Yin Yang Huo. Yeah, which is a very common herb out of our Chinese uh, herbal bag of tricks. Do you remember for Yin Yang Ho the uh, the uh, nickname for it that in English, horny goat weed? Yes, and of course, yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. It's it's not so cool in German, yeah, because <laughs> yeah. It, it's the bishop's hat then, so it's kind of not. I I, I prefer really. So the true uh, translation is horny goat weed. So, oh, so I didn't, I, and I wasn't aware that Viagra, um, that was part of the uh, history behind using that herbal root. Interesting. Because that's in a lot of formulas for male factor fertility. So, Of course. Yes. Herbal medicine really is a game changer. Yeah. So only going for acupuncture yeah, might not be strong enough to change a really huge pathology. Yeah. That might work for some, you know, where you need to just do slight corrections, yeah? But if, if just like due to COVID, yeah, your sperm quality is really diminished by 70%, yeah? Then you need to really, really try and do everything to, to improve uh, your sperm. And that absolutely needs some oral intake of herbs and you might want to go for supplements as well yeah so i always use supplements and i test which supplements are needed um through a blood test oh good to hear you do that in our practice we have naturopathic physicians and and we we don't always do the testing um we'd wish and like to just some people uh, choose not to have it done to see where they are deficient but we do have some general antioxidants we like do you have kind of you're the top, you know, five, I'm putting you on the spot here, but what are some of the antioxidants that you like to see that men would be taking that come to mind or, or supplements, nutraceuticals? Number one is zinc. Why? Because the ejaculate contains uh, the highest amount of zinc in the body. Yeah. So obviously sperm needs zinc. Yeah. So you have to um, substitute that if it's not enough. Yeah, so if the level is not on the highest range, that's what I mean. Do you understand what I mean? It's not just in the range, yeah, it's really almost over the top. So we're we're talking functional medicine ranges. And again, talking to my colleagues in my practice, the naturopathic physicians, what Olivia is conveying as well here is that we have a range, but you don't want to be at the bottom of the range. It's kind of like at school, uh, a pass is 50 to 100, right? You don't want to, you know, be at 51% because that's a pass. <laughs> You'd rather be yeah. closer to the 100%. So she's saying yeah. that a lot of functional medicine clinics and Chinese medicine practitioners and the way Olivia practices, because she's an MD, 
she she wants you at the higher end of the range. And so so it's zinc. Then it's selenium, yeah, which is essential as well. But actually, number two might be CoQ10, yeah. So that is kind of really my cell mm, magic powder. <laughs> yeah. Then um, folate, I think, is essential also for men. Do you like vitamin D? Do you like the fish oil? Oh, yes. Yeah. I like vitamin D for the overall cell power of a body. Yeah. I don't think it's in the top three um, for the sperm quality, but I think it's essential for the overall health of a male. So therefore, I would go with with uh, vitamin D because also it's easy to uh, substitute as well. Yeah. And and what about uh, the fish oil, the essential fatty acids, omega threes? Do you like those for men? Yes, I do. I do. Yeah. But I often use them um, in combinations, yeah. And I also I, I really love L-arginine, L-carnitine, for example. Yeah, I found out I have to say quite recently that the maca root, yeah, <laughs> which um, grows in Peru, yeah, the black one. They, there are uh, several colored different types, but the black maca root improves um, morphology um, problem. And let's remind our listeners um, that um, diet, like it's a good diet. Like you don't have, you can't be eating fast food, poor diet and think the supplements are going to be the solution. They are called supplements as in they supplement the diet. They're not drugs, right? They're supplements. And so these are just uh, I call them catalysts to help you, right? To speed up the process and to support you. But you you talk about diet as well, I imagine, in your practice. Yes, I do, of course. And um, there's been research going on to find out which is the perfect diet uh, for uh, improving uh, sperm quality. And the result is the so-called MET diet, yeah, is the one you want to go for, which kind of is what the Italians eat, excluding pasta and pizza <laughs> and tons of bread. Yeah. So every the Mediterranean food, yeah, containing of a lot of vegetables and fish and seafood, for example. Yeah. Um, also some um, chicken, for example, is really good or steak. So really proper meat of good quality that would work too yeah and so reviewing your bag of tricks um acupuncture and laser acupuncture you're using in your practice diet and lifestyle so phones and laptops out of your pocket alcohol dosage matters stay away from re recreational drugs um, and then you're interested in what kind of prescription drugs are taking stress and sleep i know you talk about that in your book as well so lifestyle, this is all lifestyle, right? And then um, we talked about acupuncture and laser acupuncture. You're, you're, you like to use Chinese herbal medicine in your practice, as do I in Vancouver for the men, as well as um, supplements. So that's kind of a big part of your bag of tricks then. Acupuncture, Chinese herbs, supplements, and then diet and lifestyle and stress reduction. It seems a lot. <laughs> so it's, you know... A hard thing to do for a man, 
yeah, doing so much things, yeah, but all together, you know, they kind of make you win the prize, yeah. It's like if you want to, or in former times, yeah, just um, prior to uh, the invention of the, the cars, yeah, they used cabbages, is it cabbage? Like you're talking about the horse and buggy? Yeah. To be really fast where you want to go, yeah, you wouldn't put one horse in front of your cabbage, yeah, to carry it, yeah. Okay, I see what you're saying. The the carriage, carriage, the carriage. Yeah, that's yeah. the word I was looking yeah. for. True. Yeah. So, okay, more horses carrying your carriage. Yeah, makes you win the prize faster. Means father and child. Yeah. So <laughs> that's, it, that's it. Yeah. Has has it been your experience? Because you know, you say it seems like a lot, and when the men come in, and again, it's been a challenge compared to women. Women, um. They come. They they really do come in. They follow their treatment plans. We do, you know, when I started in 2000, we didn't see very many men. In 2022, um, we're seeing more men involved than we did in 2000, but nothing compared to the women. Yeah. What I found interesting, my question for you is, the men that do come, they love the acupuncture. They chill out on the table. They have naps. Like, at first, they're nervous. They're worried. The uh, common question I get, is where are you going to put the needles? So they think fertility, so they think we're going to needle their penis. They don't get yes, their penis they, they needled. They think you're going to, to make a cactus out of it, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So the penis does not get needled. We should no. let people know. Yeah. That's not where it happens. That's not where the needles go. Usually below the extremities, below the elbows and knees, yeah. and maybe a few below the navel. Um, but they don't They don't go into the penis. And they they like it. They they have a little siesta. They have a nap on the table is what happens. And they come to really enjoy this rest. They say like it really rejuvenates them um, for the week. So they like that. I want to ask you another thing, just kind of comparing Austria to Canada here. One of, when I ask the men, when I see them solo and I say, so why are you here? It's a good question, right? Somebody comes into your clinic. Why are you here? The number one answer I get from men is my wife sent me. Yes. Yes. Is that what you Same got? here. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so the men I see, it's interesting. Now we'll talk about the conscious side of it. You know, like the men I see in the relationship is that the female's equal or even sometimes dominant because she makes the man come to the, come to the clinic, right? If he's kind of the dominant one, then um, he may not come if he's not interested in this. A cute story for you is years ago, a woman came in and she's 40, no known fertility issues. She did have issues with fibroids that were removed years ago. And she was just being proactive. She was like, I just want to optimize my fertility for the next three months. I just want to do acupuncture and diet and supplements. She was into that whole idea, healthy baby, right? Get my eggs to the peak fertility potential. And she wanted her, her husband to do it as well. So she sent him in for a consult. And it so happened that when she was coming in for her follow-up, he was just leaving from his initial. And she came in and she said, oh, I'm glad you just saw him. Um, is he booking? I go, well, he just left and no, he chose not to book. And he follow up. She goes, one second. So she leaves. You hear a little bit of um, commotion by the elevators out there. And then she comes back and she says, yeah, he'll, he'll be booking those appointments. So <laughs> that's where the relationship's equal or she has more. she has a lot of say in the relationship. We have found that, you know, if it's up to the guy, historically, they don't tend to come in. I will say, because I don't want to live in the past, 
as of late 2022, when we're recording this, more and more men are really getting involved in their health. They're looking to reduce their stress. They're looking to improve their sleep and energy and more and more looking to be proactive and get involved in the fertility journey. It's still nowhere near how many women come in to be proactive, but it's a lot better than it was over 20 years ago. That's true. And what might be interesting and also really essential and encouraging a man to actually do something for their health, not only for their fertility, but a poor semen analysis, yeah, is said to be kind of the window to a man's health, yeah. So it shows that something isn't really working properly in his body, means he is sick to some point, yeah, he can't produce proper sperm, yeah, so he might be unable to produce proper healthy cells at all, yeah, means he's more prone, yeah, to get cancer, and that is really statistically proven, yeah, so the risk factors. So what you're saying here is, uh, is I've heard it like the male infertility is like the canary in the mine for men's health. And so if they're having uh, sperm quality issues, this could be, that's kind of the symptom that there's something else going on that could lead to other risk factors to other diseases. So we do want to have further workup as a physician, you're saying, and also um, proactive treatment. Yes, you you need to have that, yeah? Because maybe you don't want a child that as much as your wife or your partner, yeah? Which is often the case. And therefore, I really like to have a couple come in together for the first time because I really want to see their partnership communication, yeah? And sometimes you get a glimpse on who is the more proactive one in terms of um, that they want to conceive a child. And it's not always the woman, I have to say. Sometimes it's really the man forcing, but maybe too hard. Yeah. So that isn't helping at all. They have to do something um, to for his overall health. Yeah. Because what we know is, you know, that... Um, the, the uh, probability of um, getting um, cancer, gut cancer, is it gut cancer? No. For example, is, um, is, is uh, three times higher than um, with fertile men, means with um, men having a normal semen analysis, for example, or prostate cancer. Yeah. And so just to remind the listeners is, the men are involved to 50% or more into fertility issues. And, and so unexplained infertility and early pregnancy loss, some are saying now, the dad is saying, the reproductive urologists are saying that this likely could be contributed to the male. And you're sharing as well that, that if there's some issues, since men are constantly making sperm and that cycle of maturation for production and maturing sperm is um, 70 to 90 days, that two cycles and you could have better sperm. So give yourself three to six months of eating well, your lifestyle, so how you exercise, your sleep, your stress reduction, and then 
using proactive things like acupuncture, laser acupuncture, Chinese herbs and supplements and a good diet. And doing that over three, three to six months while you're continuing to try to conceive, you may see a change in your semen analysis. And even if your semen analysis is considered normal, but you're having issues getting pregnant, this would be something that you're recommending men. That's what I think I, if I summarized what you shared today, is that, that I hear you well. Yeah. Yeah. And to the end, maybe let's talk a little bit about sex, right? I, I, I was, I'm waiting for that because I know one of your books is about erectile <laughs> <laughs> dysfunction and libido. So Olivia, let's talk about yeah, sex. Keep the best for last. Yeah. <laughs> no, that is really, really a well-meant advice that um, a parent that wants to conceive has to increase their um, frequency of intercourse. Yeah. It's not enough yeah, just to have intercourse one or two days prior to um, their ovulate, the, the women's ovulation, yeah? But you have to really, really get going, yeah? You have to start having intercourse statistically best every day, starting from six days prior to your ovulation, yeah? And then continue having sex. Because there's one very interesting study that if a couple fathers a child, yeah, without having loads of sex prior to the conception, yeah, for example, they just start to try to conceive and it worked in the second cycle, yeah, then the female body isn't used to the paternal um, DNA well enough, yeah, and then it produces um, an immunologic uh, reaction causing schistosis, for example. Yeah. And I think that's really interesting. Yeah. And therefore, yeah, just to, you know, get as a woman, get your body used to that foreign material. Yeah. That contributes half to your baby inside of you. Yeah. You should really have sex. Lots of sex. Anybody that likes to have lots of sex, whether you're a female or a male, now you have an excuse to tell your partner why, they, why you have to have more sex. It's, it's, it's for the health. It's for our health. We're building up uh, resistance. Yeah. And especially with um, poor semen quality, yeah, you want to have a high turnover. Yeah. So you want to have fresh soldiers yeah, put out every time you have sex. Yeah. So therefore, the poorer your semen quality is, yeah, the more helpful it would be to have daily sex, yeah, because that also improves the sperm quality, which is kind of interesting. Yeah. And what about because in our practice, some have been trying for so long and having so much sex, like it gets uncomfortable. And I wanted to unpack a little bit about what you said and. Um, one is like six days before ovulation. So I, I, I kind of align with that, agree with that. Like at least six, if you know when you're ovulating, start at least six days before. Often I'll tell couples that every other day, and if they're testing for the um, ovulation predictor test, the LH surge, then on that day and the next day. And the reason being is because sperm can live in a female's body on average three to five days. So every day you're saying it's great because you're, um, you know, especially if you're having, uh, there's some sperm issues, it's just, you're saying it's good to do it every day. But for those where the semen analysis looks 
somewhat okay. You're doing all these proactive things and really you just don't have the energy or the desire to have it every day and it becomes uncomfortable, then every other day um, is what we would recommend. And I'm just checking in with you because you're the expert in here. What, what do you say for the couple that are like, we don't want to do it every day? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I totally get them because, you know, it, it, it gets kind of a duty, yeah, over time. Yeah? And you don't want that, yeah? Because, you know, sperm quality also depends on the grade of arousal. And that's really interesting, yeah? So <clears throat> what experts say when it comes to which sex to have, to have the best uh, sperm quality and to kind of be sure to be able to father a child, then it comes to two words, hot and hard. You know, this this is important because I've heard this before from other colleagues when you talk about the erection. So um, because a lot of times when you're in the baby-making mode, it becomes a duty, like you said, and you're trying to get it done as quickly as possible, where the guy really isn't, he's he's orgasming, but it's not like a hot, hard, it's not a fully wrecked, hard erection. And I want to pull out some Chinese medicine here. So this kidney yang, this energy, the yang, right? We want this strong yang. And I often think of it as like a bow and arrow. If you're having intercourse, but it's just really just to orgasm, not, you know, you're not really enjoying it and not really heartfelt in it. It's kind of like you're pulling the bow back, the string, I should say, not really tense. So when the arrow goes, it kind of goes boom, right? But if you really pull it back hard, lots of tension and you let it go, it goes straight and fast. And so often when I'm talking to couples, it's that idea that if you can bring joy back into it, make it fun. And even for the guy, don't rush this, like, you know, hold back a bit, like really kind of build up what we call this young energy, build this up. Um, as you said, because, you, you know, I, I, I love Olivia when you talk, when we talk sex at, uh, at workshops, it does need to be, um, or you're saying it's, it's, it sounds like it's more beneficial from how Chinese medicine thinks if the man is hot and hard. Because the kidney yang, because a cold penis is, is a diagnostic, right? If the man feels his penis is cold, um, that, that means something in Chinese medicine. Yeah, true. So for the couple, you know, getting away from that duty job, yeah, <clears throat> might be the advice to really um, start being creative, yeah, start playing games, yeah, start doing some some plays, yeah, some role plays, for example. That is really good, yeah. Or for the women, yeah, cook a meal just wearing high heels, yeah, <laughs> that's perfect, yeah. <laughs> or watch porn together. Bringing in new women, yeah, <clears throat> changes, yeah. Um, we we as women don't want to hear that, but actually changes and, and increases sperm quality, yeah. So you don't have to bring in and do a threesome, yeah. A new woman, yeah. That's that's not my advice, yeah. Okay, I, I want. I'm glad you clarified that because I wasn't sure exactly what I just heard. I, I, I well, you can if you want to, but you know you don't have to. You can kind of fake that. Um, by uh, watching porn together, yeah? And that actually really has a positive effect on the sperm quality, and that's easy to do. And that's something you're not used to, you know, that gets you away of that everyday intercourse thing, yeah? That's something really exciting, something new, and both are in, yeah? So try to go on sex dates, yeah? Somewhere else, yeah? Just try to 
surprise you as a couple yeah, and try to really look over the plate yeah when it comes to sex yeah don't 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 stick to the well in 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 german we say flower sex i don't know flower sex <laughs> or dating <laughs> sex yeah so don't be vanilla yeah okay. don't be vanilla <laughs> yeah I, you know when we started i, I didn't put this was a uh, rated our um podcast today but you know we talk about reproductive health um and i'm glad olivia that you're here to to talk about this because um in my practice i don't get into the sexy talk as much as as you do um and so but it's important right it, it is important and so yeah, it's essential yeah. because you know you you can't well nowadays unfortunately there's a trend yeah excluding sexuality from reproduction well that's yeah? the way you know unfortunately when you do ivf that we've taken sex out of the out of the reproduction so that you know this is a whole other topic and and i like that you've have brought up um the intention because it's hard to make it fun we're getting it like it's you're you're stressed already you're trying and so it's the it's it's the playful intention so experiment it may it it may not work, right? You may you may set up a date and do something, and it was just didn't happen the way you thought it happened. But if you don't try, you don't know. So you're suggesting some playfulness, bring some intention to it. Couples have shared that, even though they both know what's going on, we're trying to make a baby here. When you pretend and set the intention, after a few minutes, you kind of forget and you get into the role and you have a good time. At the beginning, it's awkward, it's uncomfortable. I know that you know that I know that we're trying to have a baby here. However, they do say after, you know, minutes into this role play or this new new experience um, that it becomes, it's fun. And so they do find it a, a different experience. So thank you for bringing that up as well. All right. So we have Dr. Olivia Oyai with us today from Austria, from Graz. And I do want to let um, if my colleagues are watching this, if you're a clinician, an acupuncturist, uh, any health professional that works in reproductive health, so reproductive endocrinologist or urologist, I do want to let you know that Olivia has a book out called The Integrated Treatment of Male Infertility with Chinese Medicine. So do check that out as well. It's something you want in your library um, so you can um, implement some of these approaches for the men. Um, or at least you become aware so you can refer them in your city to, to a Chinese medicine uh, acupuncturist to, to implement these bag of tricks that Olivia offers in her book. Olivia, thank you very much. And I look forward to having you um, back on the Conscious Fertility Podcast. Thank you. It was a good time. And I hope um, <laughs> people listening had a good time too and um, have some tricks now that they really want to implement in their everyday life. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Conscious Fertility, the show that helps you receive life on purpose. Please take a moment to subscribe to the show and join the community of women and men on their path to peak fertility and choosing to live consciously on purpose. I would love to continue this conversation with you, so please direct message me on Instagram at Lauren Brown Official. That's Instagram, Lauren Brown Official. Or you can visit my websites, laurenbrown.com and acubalance.ca. Until the next episode, stay curious and for a few moments, bring your awareness to your heart center and breathe.